0: three two, three, four. You're
1: listening to the Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. The felony Podcast airs live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Now please settle in, enjoy. It's time for the Felony Inc. Podcast.
2: Welcome downtown Portland and surrounding areas. Rose City. To the Felony Inc. Podcast with me, Lad Justison, and my funny-looking sidekick, Mark Gailey. Mark, what the hell's going on?
3: Everything, all the time.
2: So you got anything coming up, Mark? Uh, Mark, uh, if everybody doesn't know by now, owns a tattoo shop downtown Portland called Murder Inc. And uh, he has a big old bus that he tours around, has uh, tattoo stuff hooked up in it. And he tours it around at conventions and stuff and and gets some cash rolling on the side. So what, what's the plans, Mark? You got any?
3: Um, we got the Abate opener coming up. It's in Washington. Um, it's like a camping music festival out in the middle of nowhere. Um, as far as the money, the, the bus is expensive, as you know. So that's not really. It's more of a. I don't know. Right now, it's it's a work in progress, figuring that out. It's um, it's its own planet, and I'm trying to land on it.
2: <laughs> well, you know, something it scares me, Mark, to even think of you sporadic mark <laughs> driving that great big old freaking bus I did once bus. one time
3: I had to do you
2: hire somebody to drive it for
3: you yeah we have to have a special CDL license okay. to drive that thing it's um, it's a big deal yeah you can't just drive this 40 foot rock and roll tour bus down the street <laughs> wow yeah
2: well, in other news, <laughs> uh, the Killer Granddaddies are going to be playing a couple things come up here real soon. Ooh, yeah. um, May 18th, we're going to be playing for one of our Dave's Killer Breads former HR, some young lady named uh, Gabriella. Uh, we're going to be playing at her son's school, but it's actually for the parents. So we're going to be jamming that out. And, and so, um, you know, Dave's not here today. Dave? Where's Dave? Anyway, Dave's, Dave's not, not here Dave's not here. He had, uh, had, a not little, here. had a tooth pulled, so he's uh, kind of in a little bit of pain today, and and just like whenever I look at him, same kind of pain I get, you know, looking at him. All right, so let's move on. I feel the pain. All on. are you ready to move on? We are moving so <laughs> far on. All right. Well, we got all the good stuff out of the way. So we got a super cool guest on the show today. This uh what we're going to be talking about today um is is extreme and that's part of the name of it. It's called extreme kidnapping. Why didn't I think of this? And we talked to earlier to um Adam Thick about possibly kidnapping Mark and uh, <laughs> torturing him to the point where, you know.
3: Find out if I was with your girlfriend?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Were you, Mark? No. You might as well admit it right now before we get on the air with Adam, because... I don't even know who he, your girlfriend is. He's got plans, dude. All right. Well, anyway, welcome to the program, Adam. Adam keep her th- away from me.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on.
2: All right, man. So, wow. Um, I looked at uh, at your bio and your company and all that stuff, and this is absolutely extreme. But before we get into that, why don't we go back a little bit? And uh, give us a little rundown of your life as a child, and we talked earlier, you you know eventually ended up either going to jail or prison. So what was it in your early years there that um, kind of sent you on that path?
1: Well, it, it, my my childhood was fairly normal. I mean I, it's not like I was I went without anything. Um, but I would say probably the first uh, roadblock or whatever you want to call it would probably be my parents getting divorced when I was like in seventh grade. And that's, that's hard for any kid, you know, but that was kind of like the first thing. And then another thing that kind of later on, uh, well, I looked back on this, but my mom, my mother always was kind of like sort of, uh I don't know how to describe her. i, I ever seen the movie mommy dearest.
2: Yeah, Mark was in that movie, wasn't
1: he? <laughs> I've never seen. Well, that. she 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 could have filled in for that lady because mm-hmm. she was just like that in real life. And, oh wow! Uh, wow. So that that was difficult, you know, dealing with her. She may have had mental problems. You know, I I don't know, but um, she was you know really difficult to live with and deal with. So there was that, and then uh, after my parents got divorced, my dad remarried. Um, and he married somebody that had four kids. So I was then thrown into that situation, which again is, you know, probably difficult for any, any kid at that age. Um, and, uh, but I didn't get in any trouble with the law or anything in my youth. I wasn't, you know, like a juvenile delinquent. What I was doing though, was like, I was like into starting like little businesses and, little little things you know just to make money and like uh i remember one time i set up a little casino in the locker room at at school in between classes you know i had a little roulette wheel in there and you know stuff like that so (laughs) but i was always into like you know doing little things to make extra money you know i had a paper route and all that type of stuff and so uh i guess In my teen years, um, like most kids back then, um, you know, I started smoking weed, drinking 40s, you know, that type of stuff. Um, But what got me into this mindset of making money, uh, whether it was illegally or entrepreneurially, I don't know if I said that right. but um, You got it. I don't know if you remember, but back in magazines, back in those days, there was all these little ads, classified ads. And there was always like these ads that said $30,000 in 30 days or, you know, $15,000 with three simple words, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, i got obsessed with this idea of getting rich quick and i was like it's totally possible you know and i remember showing my dad one of these magazines and saying look you can make this kind of money so fast and he's like that's all nonsense it's total garbage and i'm like what does he know you know because teenagers know everything you know <laughs> you know <laughs> so I'm see, like,
2: it's, it's kind of like that ad you know charles atlas you know look like this in a yeah.
3: week you know one of those yeah. things <laughs>
1: yeah go from oh the sand in the
3: face i love those
1: ads (laughs) go from 98 pound weakling to 250 pound bruiser in just a few weeks that's
2: it same concept
1: yeah so i got this get rich quick mentality thing going around my in my teen years um i i didn't know you know how i was gonna do it but i was like it's totally possible so i'm gonna figure out a way to do it you know and uh I guess from there, um, the next big thing that happened to me was uh, my high school years were, you know, they were okay. And early on, not so much, but towards the end, I finally, you know, found a way to fit in in high school and had a lot of friends. But, you know, first couple of years of high school were really rough. I got picked on. I was teased a lot. You know, I didn't have many friends. And the friends I did have were nerds and dorks. So that just made it worse. Kind you know?
2: of like me and Mark. Yep, <laughs> we could get along great. Hey, we got a lot in <laughs> common
1: already. Um, but and of course, there's nothing wrong with nerds and dorks. They're usually the best people, but yeah, they're, know, the, they're
2: the ones that end up having those really super high-paying computer jobs down the road. You know, we're all in style right. now.
1: Right? Yeah, they're they they always always bounce back really good in the in their adult years. So. Um, my, when I was, uh, you know, living with my new step family, we were all, you know, kind of going through high school, uh in a new place, having to make new friends, living together. You know, um, I had a stepmom, they had a stepdad, which was my dad. And, um, my dad worked like 80 hours a week at gm so i never seen him in high school at all hardly um, he worked non-stop like literally 40 hour a week for him was like nothing no big deal he always went went after the overtime and stuff so i was always stuck with my stepmom and we didn't get along at all i mean she hated me and i hated her and it was it was that simple and You know uh i tried to stay away from the house as much as i possibly could and once i was able to drive uh that made my life a lot easier because i would leave on a friday and i wouldn't come home till sunday sunday evening so i'd be gone all weekend um and uh we you know we just got into me and my friends you know start you know doing stupid stuff you know uh Nothing bad. I mean, like I said, we've never gotten arrested or anything, but we just, you know, doing dumb stuff, you know, nothing terribly productive. And um, when I turned 18 years old, I came home from uh, high school, the day of graduation, the day we, you know, last day of school, 12th grade, and my parents were sitting at the dinner table, and uh, they told me to sit down. I'm thinking, you know, my plans for the summer and all the stuff I'm gonna do and all this. And My dad says, uh, "Get in the van. You're leaving." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "I'm taking you to Pennsylvania and I'm dropping you off there." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and they were dead serious. They were like, "You're out of the house now. You're 18 years old. It's time for you to go." And I'm like, thinking to myself, "This is this is nuts. This is crazy." You know. No notice, no nothing. The van was already packed with all my stuff. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it it was a total shock to me, but, you know, it was like, I guess my stepmom leaned on my dad and was like, he's got to go. Just get get him out of here, you know? And he was like, what am I going to do? You know, okay. So uh, they took me to Pennsylvania to uh, drop me off at my grandmother's house, who I had only ever met once in my life, so I didn't really know her, you know? And, uh, you know, I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to be back in Michigan. Uh, you're not keeping me out of Michigan, you know. And he's like, just just stay here. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So, you know, that, that, that kind of like set me off in a, a rebellious sort of uh, mood, if you will, you know, yeah,
2: going was, out a rebellious sort
1: really...
3: of path. Yeah,
2: so. Yeah. you know what? It's funny, because uh, I've often thought about taking Mark and dropping him off in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Pennsylvania. That's weird. <laughs> that is so... Didn't I just say that to you last week, And I'll week, be Mark? back in Portland. Oh, he'll be right back. All right, so now you're kind of on your own, and y- here, here yep. comes the trouble.
1: Well, I... You know, I... I hung out with my friends, we got an apartment. Oh, I did get, I did go back to Michigan first. I had a friend get me drive me home back to Michigan and then me and some friends got an apartment in a like a penthouse apartment that we couldn't afford. And uh, when we couldn't pay the rent, we just jumped in a car and drove to California. And from there, I came back and me and my dad kind of had like a, a a talk about, you know, he's like you know, I'll send you to college if you go to this technical school and and, and pass and, you know, get good grades and stuff like that. And this technical school was like in Western Michigan and it was like a trade school. It was like, I was eligible to go there. I didn't have to pay for it. And they would teach you a trade or a skill or something. And it was a, a year long, but you had to live there. It was like a dorm type of thing. it was five days a week, eight hours a day. So it was like intensive, you know, training. So I took the computer class, which was the only relevant course they offered that that I thought of anyway. And uh, so when I got out of there after about a year, I think that was 93, um, I got an apartment uh, uh, of my own apartment locally so I lived like not too far from my parents we were in like neighboring towns but now that I was on my own um, you know I had to like figure out what I was going to do with my life you know and all my interests were like about making money and you know hustling and so I started getting into like selling weed and you know stuff like that and then that actually started working out really good for me, so I got more and more into that, and then I was like selling pounds of it, and then I started diversifying into things like white collar crime and fraud. I didn't.
3: When did you first get busted?
1: Car- uh, well, the first and last time was in two thousand four, and that's what I went to prison for.
3: How long did you do in prison?
1: Uh, Twenty seven months.
2: 27 months. All right. So federal.
1: Yeah, it was federal.
2: You know, Adam, uh, you know, we've talked to a lot of, a lot of guests on the show and there's always seems to be this one kind of shining moment where, um, you know, it's either before you, you went to prison or while you are in prison that you finally decided, you know what? This is not for me. There's a different path. Where was that at for you?
1: Um, well, I mean, the day that I was arrested, I mean, stunned me. I mean, I was shocked, you know, cause I'd been doing stuff like this for over 10 years, you know, and, and never got caught doing anything. And this was like the final, you know, this was like the, the final level of my whole, you know, criminal career, if you will. And this was the big scam. And I was like, this is it. This is, you know, it was a counterfeiting operation is what it was. And, um, so the day that I got arrested, I was totally shocked. I was stunned. I, I was like, it's over. I'm done. I'm never getting out. This is, you know, and uh, that first night in jail, I couldn't sleep at all. So I was like, just thinking to myself, I was like, man, if I get out of this, I'm never, ever getting involved in criminal activity again. I am just walking away from all this stuff. Um, I had have, I swear this would be the end of it. And so the next morning, because that, that day we got arrested, uh, the local police kept us in, in the local jail because our print shop was in, in town right across the street. So um, the next day the Secret Service came to pick us up and take us to uh, the Marshall's uh, lockup in Detroit. And while, when I was there, um, we got a. You know, we were in the lockup for half a day or something, and then we got arraigned and released on bonds. Me and my partner both got released on OR bonds, and I was stunned. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I walked out of there that the next day, you know, and so I, I walked out of the federal building in Detroit, and I was, you know, I didn't have a car there or anything. I was just no phone no nothing. I just sitting on the steps of the building and I'm thinking, Oh my God, I, I, I can't believe this just happened. I'm like, this is unreal, you know? And, but I knew then I was like, you know, you know, if, if I, if I can, can get out of this, obviously I'm never doing anything like this ever again, you know? And so I, you know, federal cases take a really long time. So I was on pretrial for at least two years. You know, and during that time, I actually started believing that it, it, it was just it, it went away. You know, like wow, this is great. You know, um, they're just gonna let this thing. Maybe they don't have enough evidence or something. You know, and but I'm like, I'm on the straight and narrow now. I don't care. You know, this is great. You know, so. I guess it was probably a series of of events over a period of time. But I knew the day that I got arrested, you know, that this this was not a, a good idea, you know. And then, obviously, later on, you know, when you finally go to prison and stuff, then you know for sure you made a mistake. And then you really, you know, vowed to never, you know, do this type of stuff ever again. So... Well, you, know, you, only have, you only have to hit me over the head once.
2: Well, you know what? Some people are lucky with that. You know, um, it took me a few times, and it's taken Mark uh, multiple blows to figure <clears throat> out what he's supposed to be doing. But on that note, we've got to take a break. And Adam and guys and girls out there listening, we'll be right back.
0: CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will.
2: Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future future of your business. Alright, so
3: let's get back to without, Adam. Without further ado, let's get on. I'm going to hear about this kidnapping Extreme thing.
2: Extreme kidnapping. So, you're in uh, federal prison. How long did you do in there?
1: Um, all told, 18 months out of the 27. I got all my good time and then um, I did six months of home confinement after that and then I had Three years of supervised release. After that,
2: so when you were uh, when you were in uh, the federal prison system, um, I know that they have different uh, programs and stuff that you can take advantage of in there. You know, Cog programs and all those uh, different programs. Uh, wh- what did you do in there while you were in there to kind of kind of give you a little bit more, um, you know, stuff behind your belt?
1: Well, for me, I. And I was trying to get out of prison as quickly as possible, so I made sure before I even went to prison at my sentencing hearing that I got uh, RDAP, which is Residential Drug and Alcohol Program, because if you don't get it before you get in there, you can't get it once you're in there. And I've, I've seen guys in there trying to pay thousands of dollars to get into the program through bribes and stuff, and they won't they won't. Like, and, you know, you can't do it. You have to get it designated before you go to prison. And that program, if you program it, it takes nine months, but you can get up to a year off your sentence. So right? let, me, let me ask so my-
2: you this. How did you know about that? Where did you find out about that program before? Because you know those guys and girls out there listening right now that maybe facing, you know, some federal time. How did you find out about those programs?
1: Well, For for me, I I do a lot of reading. I'm a big-time reader, and I do a lot of research. And when I was out there, you know, doing all these scams and, uh, you know, schemes and all this different stuff, I I was also, uh, you know, know, trying to protect myself in the event of an arrest. You know, like, I wanted to know the law. I wanted to know my rights. I wanted to know what... uh, have an attorney on speed dialed, you know all this t- type of stuff. I had all that, and I knew that these programs existed in prison, but you had to uh, get them before you get in there. This is only in the federal system. They don't have this in at the state level. this is this program is only f- uh, for fed, the feds
2: so so basically, you had to have the judge kind of put that in the sentencing, right? And your attorney had to ask him to do that,
1: right? correct right and to get that program you have to illustrate a drug and alcohol uh pattern in your life like you have to have had a history of drug and or alcohol abuse uh, in your past so um you have to somehow illustrate that at um and the judge will generally um recommend something you know, whether it's the RDAP program or some other program, but I wanted specifically the RDAP program, and that's what I had my lawyer ask for.
2: Perfect. All right, so let's move forward a little bit. Um, So now you're in prison. Um, Did you come up with the idea for extreme kidnapping when you were in prison? And if so, tell us how that came about and give us a little background on on how you know where you, i know that you were watching a movie that had this kind of thing in it whatever kind of fill us in on that. i love that movie
1: right right well i got the idea from the movie the game with michael douglas um it was a awesome movie it came out in uh 97 um but anyway i i actually started extreme kidnapping before i went to prison See, I got arrested in 2004, but I started extreme kidnapping in 2002, so I was already doing extreme kidnapping um, before I went to prison.
2: Oh wow, okay. So, so where, you know, during that time, just from watching the movie, that's what gave you the idea.
1: Well, I I, I watched that movie back in the 90s, and I I knew then that this would be a th- a thing someday, but I had to figure out a way to, you know make that happen and in the the movies it was on a much larger scale you know it was multi-million dollar budgets and all this type of stuff so i knew it had to be scaled down for the regular person but you know i had a couple years to think about it um and in 2002 the time was finally right in my mind and i had the wherewithal to make it happen so that was the year i I launched it and it, it it did you know it was the right time the timing was right
2: so tell our listeners exactly what it is what what do you guys do i I mean obviously extreme kidnapping um i often dream that happens to mark but (laughs) tell us a little bit about what you guys do and, and and whatever
1: well basically we offer realistic kidnapping adventure scenarios um so that means we'll come and kidnap you and put you through a realistic kidnapping and that's that's it in a nutshell and they're customizable so if you want to customize it if you have something in mind or you have a specific scenario in mind or you want to pose as somebody else you want us to pose as you know some other you know um, your nemesis or whatever you know we, we can play any type of role and uh and that's how it started out was you know like kidnapping for entertainment um these days, they call it designer experiences or, you know, stuff like that. But back when, in 2002, it was, you know, like kidnapping for entertainment is what they called it. So but, um,
2: how do you find the people that want experiences? And can you give us kind of, you know, your first one? How did that go?
1: Well, I didn't have to find them. They found me because the way I... Pl- the way I did this was back in 2002, I I knew that when I put this out there that it was going to get a certain amount of, te- of attention because I layered it a certain way. And I I issued a nationwide press release that went out to AP, every single radio station in the country, every... Uh, newspaper in the country. I mean, it went out to everything. Uh, Yeah, it cost a little bit of money to do that, but I knew it was going to be worth it because it was a great story and people were going to be, you know, coming to me for interviews and stuff like that and their, their readerships and their viewers would then, you know, see about see and hear about it. I wouldn't have to do any advertising. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, the week I put out that press release, uh, my, my answering machine, when we still had those back in the 90s, uh, was filled to the brim, like, every day, you know, um, with just interviews and you know, feature, do this, do that, you know, interview, this, be on this show, that show. What you know, It was crazy. It was awesome. You know, it was really cool. It was fun.
2: So you, so basically you kidnap somebody. You know, in Mark's in, instance, you know his nemesis would be me, right? <laughs> so so you kidnap Mark, right?
3: Just up as. And lab. then
2: you know I come in and beat the crap out of him, right? Is that what happens?
1: Well, not not usually. Um, like if it's just a typical kidnap for ransom scenario, there's no reason to be beating beating anyone up you know what i mean because uh it's just not called for how much does your
3: insurance cost
1: (laughs) the the standard uh our standard basic kidnapping which lasts up to eight hours starts at 1900 dollars. but if you want longer periods of captivity anything above eight hours you know the price starts going up so in like 24 hours, would be something like $3,000, and then it, it goes up from there.
2: Well, you know, may, maybe you guys could kidnap Mark's girlfriend because she's a little overweight, right? So what you do is you take her and you kidnap her, and then you hold her for like, you know, maybe a month or so and just feed her a little bit of food, right? And she loses like 30 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> right, Mark?
1: Sure. We, your girlfriend? we were actually going uh, to... That's, that's that's another story, but I'll, I'll talk about that one other time. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, people can customize their kidnapping adventures or we'll, you know, just surprise them with something. But most people have something in mind already. And um, uh, we are available to travel, but at the client's expense. So if you want the cheapest rates, you got to come to to where I'm at.
3: Which is Detroit?
1: No, I I don't live in Detroit anymore. I'm in Louisiana now. Oh, Louisiana,
2: Louisiana.
3: Hm.
1: Yeah. I, I left Detroit back in 2013. So, look, and then, and, and then I went to Vegas and we did it out there for a whole year. And I've been down here since then. So I want to
2: go back a little bit, you know, because our listeners like to kind of hear how things start, you know, I mean, these guys and girls are, they're in prison. Uh, they're thinking about maybe starting something up when they get out. Right. You say you already had yours yours going. But right. before so what you know, what kind of capital, what kind of you know, all that stuff. What did it take to begin with, you know, for you to get things rolling?
1: It it really didn't take much. I mean, I knew I was gonna need a website, so I got a web I bought the domain name, then I built a little website. Um I think I was using GoDaddy. Um, they had some little tools to help you, you know, build your website and whatnot. And I, and then I I made sure that I knew how to kidnap people. So we started practicing that for a couple months. And, um, and then I was like, okay, I just got to figure out a way to get the word out. And I knew that press releases are a really great way to do that because if the story is compelling enough, they'll come to you and they'll do all your advertising for you you know um if you don't have a huge advertising budget that's the way to go you know but if you've got a advertising budget then go ahead and start advertising you know but it's all about um taking a step like a lot of people uh say they can't get started because they don't have the funds you know what i mean and yeah the the money helps if you had more money to do all the things you want to do but if you don't have it you just gotta start taking small steps and you know nowadays it's a a little easier because it you just need a website really you know and a good domain name and and just start you know just start making it making moves and taking action and that's probably the best uh thing I can say, because the money's not always going to be there. You have to
3: have this certain uh, drive. I can see that you answered my email. I wasn't even expecting that. <laughs> um, awesome. So, yeah, being aware of things like that is, has a lot to do with it. Well, you
2: know, and I, I've seen a lot of times, too, is that, you know, these guys and, and gals, you know, they get an idea. They want to, um, you know, start a particular business or whatever. But they're actually sometimes thinking a little too big. Right. And, you know, they want to start this great big business with all these employees and do all this and that. But like you did, you know, you just started bare bones. And I think that's really the message um, that we need to send out there is, you know, it's good to have these ideas. But, you know, start with something simpler, you know, start with something basic that you can handle when you get out, you know, and uh, and plan it and and start it without a lot of capital. Unless, you know, you're one of those lucky people that that have friends or or whatever that can provide all that. But this is a basic idea. And look, look where it's gotten you. How many employees do you have now?
1: Well, I had a lot more back in when I was in Detroit because that was like my stomping ground. So I had back then I had probably like 10 people working for me at any given time. But these days, you know, it's, it's a much more leaner crew. I got like about three guys that I call for jobs, you know, when, when I get a kidnapping and none of them live in state, they all live in different states, but they're like my best guys, you know? So, but um, another reason why I had more people in Detroit was back then I had Two ty- two kidnapping teams. I had the henchmen, which we did the very realistic kidnappings, but I also had the the elite girls squad who did the really sexy, you know, hot Charlie's Angels style kidnappings.
3: But um, Lad would be nice than that. I'll take. Do you do a Chippendales guys thing? I think Lad would be like. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, do uh, that. No, There's there's a market for it right here. <laughs> Mark used to Mark used
2: to be uh, a Chippendale until he married this this gal named Bobbit. Oh. <laughs>
3: no. Okay, let's re- Ouch. Refocus. Ouch. Refocus. <laughs>
2: refocus. All right, so look, you know, we're up uh, to another break right now. So we're going to take a little break, uh, Adam, and we will be right back. All
0: right. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionist. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startupradio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Ladd sent you, and you get a $150 credit.
2: Mark, isn't isn't that your street name, Startup Ruby? Mm, it was. <laughs> wow. Well, that's interesting, Mark. <laughs> what other
3: uh, nicknames do you have? Mm, none of your business. Come mm. on, I want to hear about this extreme kid. <laughs> All right. You are just, I, you know what? We're friends, but when we're in this podcast from now on, we ain't friends. Oh, we're <laughs> enemies? No. What are we?
2: Nemesis. We're nemesis. All right, so (laughs) Alon is going to arrange a a kidnapping.
3: Now, wait a minute. You are kidnapping the podcast right now.
2: Right. You're kidnapping the podcast. (laughs) Right. All right, so, you know, thinking about these um, extreme kidnapping, Adam, um, it seems um, like some of the kidnappings might be a little bit sexually oriented. Is that true?
1: Well, no, I I would say no, but back in Detroit, um when we had the the elite girls squad team, that was obviously an inherently, you know, sexual type of thing. There was no sex involved, but the girls were all hot and they would, you know, the clients could pick out what kind of outfits they wanted them to wear, you know, like uh schoolgirl outfits or cheerleaders or, you know, whatever but they'd still do realistic kidnappings, you know? So yeah, it was a sexy component to it, but there was no actual, you know, sexual contact. They still kicked their ass, you know, that and would be kidnapped.
3: Illegal. Them. So, right. Absolutely. Oh, that's, a, I'm going to ask a question about that. Um, speaking of illegalities or whatever, um, is there any, um, liabilities or do you notify like the local police when you do a broad daylight kidnapping? Hey, we're extreme kidnapping. We're going to be kidnapping this guy on fifth street. you guys, is that part... Is that something?
1: No, I I never ask permission. I just... We just do it. Because if you ask for permission, it's better to just <laughs> avoid that at all costs. Because if you ask them or tell them you're going to do this, it opens up the door for them saying, no, we don't want you doing right. it in our town or something like that. And if I ask permission for every... This never would have got off the ground, ever. Right. Because cops don't like this type of activity. They... You know, just just to play it safe. Even if they did think it was cool, they'd be like, "No, don't do it." No,
2: right? So no. So on that note, have you ever kidnapped somebody and been busted by the police?
3: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, That's a great question.
1: um, Yeah. See, back back in Michigan when I first started doing this, you know, I was I was we were doing daring, broad light, uh, broad day. Kidnappings in public, at the mall, and stuff like that. You know, and we didn't care. We just wanted to make it as big and outrageous as possible to get more attention. You know, and it was working really great. Um, But I think the the wake up call came one day when we were in Pontiac, Michigan, and uh, we were this guy and his girlfriend were in a shopping plaza, and I was supposed to kidnap. We were supposed to kidnap the guy, but not the the girlfriend. And uh, I had this really shady-looking Caprice Classic, and I'm like, we're driving around the parking lot real slow, you know, watching for this guy to come out. And uh, somehow we got into a little parking altercation with a guy in a white van. And uh, he – I don't really remember – Who was at fault nobody actually bumped each other but he was giving us a lot of attitude and stuff so one of my guys hung hung his head out the window and flipped him off um what i didn't realize was my guy was wearing a ski mask at the time so (laughs) (laughs) he didn't think nothing of it i mean he was just you know a wild man anyway but uh, so right um so that guy goes speeding off in his little van and we're waiting for this guy to come out. All of a sudden, and I I parked probably in a adjacent parking lot where there wasn't too many cars. And we're just sitting there waiting, you know, just talking, you know, chatting. And all of a sudden I start seeing cop cars pulling in. One, two, three, four, five, six, and they keep coming. And then they're coming right at us, and they're circling us. And I'm like, oh, my, holy, you know, this is not good, you know. And the whole police department surrounded us, okay. It was the whole shift came, okay. And they're like, driver, throw your keys out the window. So I throw my keys out the window. I'm like, guys, take your ski masks off. Put those guns on the floor. Let me do all the talking. Don't move. And um, they, you know, did a, like a felony exit the car type of thing. And uh, they put me on the back of the car and I'm like, you, you guys, this is a big mistake. Uh, we're not here to rob the place. We're here to uh, oh, kidnap a guy because <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> they thought we were tr- we were casing the place to rob it is what the, that guy in the white van had told them, because it turns out. He was an undercover or an off-duty cop, is what he was. Oh wow! And so he thought we were there to rob the place or something, you know. So you
3: just but you're just there to kidnap somebody, no big deal,
1: <laughs> right? So, as soon as I said it, I was like, that didn't sound right, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I had business cards and everything, so I, I showed him my business card, and um, you know, it's like extreme kidnapping, whatnot, and uh, and I'm telling him, you know it's. It's an entertainment thing. People pay us for this experience. It's supposed to be realistic and blah, blah, blah. And the the sergeant was like, he really wasn't buying it. He was like, you expect me to believe this, you know? And um, I was like, look, look over there. See that guy under that car over there? Well, it turns out, like, I, I even forgot about this, but we had Fox 8. With us that day to, to to film this thing, and they they ran for cover when all the cops were coming, and you know, and the but cameraman was hiding. Under, yeah, they kept filming. Yes, and so the so the cameraman's hiding under a car, and uh, he he crawls out, and they're like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "A, a cameraman," and um, so then uh, a couple of Oakland County Sheriff's Department's dep, uh, dep- deputies. Showed up and they walked up and they were like, "What's going on here?" And the Pontiac cops were like, "You know, told them what they what they thought." And uh, the deputies uh, backed up my story because they had they had uh, already been briefed on extreme kin- kidnapping by the sheriff. So, uh, you know, the the Pontiac cops were not very happy about that. But um, they did let us go, and they just gave us a warning never to come back, come back, <laughs> never come back to Piney Hack. <laughs> so uh, wow, that's, that's why pretty we don't...
2: cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm just here for kidnapping. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so look, we just got a few minutes uh, left. Adam, great to have you on today. Great stories. Uh, we really appreciate you you coming on. Um, but I'm going to give you these last few minutes if you'd like to just plug whatever you want to plug. And then uh, we're going to be out of time.
3: I have one question before you plugs. Do you guys franchise? I want to buy a franchise here in Portland.
1: Absolutely. Hey, okay. um, get at
3: me. We'll talk okay. about okay. it. Okay. Oh, my God. I want to get lad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you
2: have, you have to consent to this, though, beforehand. And I, I'm not consenting to anything that you do, Mark. It's not, on a, it's not going. Okay, let him do his plugs. Please. All right, go ahead and do your plugs, Adam. <laughs>
1: yeah uh, i just uh you know if anyone's interested check out extreme that's the website and uh you know contact information is on there all you have to do is get in touch w- with me and just tell me you know what kind of kidnapping adventure you're interested in and that's pretty much as simple as it is
2: so you guys will travel anywhere you guys would travel even here to portland right
1: we can. It's at the client's expense, but we'll, we'll travel anywhere except for Canada.
3: All right. Do well, you, you guys give out samples? <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, um, Adam. Once again, thanks for coming on, man. It was really nice meeting you, Adam. To you. Good story, man. Hey, thank, Good luck thanks for having on. me on, guys. All right, buddy.
1: All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. Ten percent of our gross revenue goes
0: directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.